Amen. So we've been talking for a few weeks now about our stories, and that's why we've been sharing different stories from members of the, the team here. And if you were there, you might remember a few weeks back I talked um, in a 945 service and I told a bit of my story and we were, I was talking about, I came to the point about how God has spent long periods of time teaching me about different words that are important or different concepts that are important to us as Christians. And uh, I, I suppose in a way I was sort of like declaring that I'm a slow learner because for each of these it's like a whole 10 years. It's like I have the theme word for a 10-year zone and then always the theme word has its partner, its power partnership that goes with. And um, if I could summarise my entire life in my teens, the word was wisdom. In my 20s, the word was grace. In my 30s, the word was love. In my 40s, the word was trust. And in my 50s, I don't know what the word is yet because it's way too soon to be um, working out what that might be. Um, and, and I shared a little bit about, about, um, about love and endurance. And in that process, I was talking about um, how the, th- the thing that strikes me about these, this development of these concepts is that how much what we think a word means isn't actually what God means when he put it in the Bible and how much our world influences the way we think about core concepts out of the Bible. And last time I used the, ex- uh, used the example of love, how the world tries to tell us we all fall in love, which means you can equally fall out of love, and the Bible's got nothing to do with falling in love, right? There's no falling in the Bible apart from after pride. And so I thought today in... in Continuing that story, that I'd like to to talk about the very first word that became a theme word for me in my teens. So I'm going to tell you some stories about pre-teen Colette um, and we're going to talk about the word wisdom, which I've put on a big slide there. And I have this question for you. When you think about wisdom, what do you think of? I just want you to think for just 30 seconds by yourself. What is wisdom? Thirty seconds feels like a long time when you're expecting someone else to talk, doesn't it? The next thing I want you to do is I want you actually to turn to the person next to you and I want you to have a very quiet conversation for another 30 seconds. Can you share what is that came to mind when I asked you the question, what is wisdom? What came to your mind? Okay, so 
Is there anyone who could give me like a no more than three word answer? Or even just a one word, something, another word that you connect with the idea of wisdom. Okay? Knowledge applied. Rod? Make good choice. Yeah, that's a very good way. Richard? Okay, intelligence, not necessarily wise. I'm not sure that that was quite three, but anyway. <laughs> Correct application of knowledge. Ben? The Holy Spirit. And so we've got a whole bunch of ideas that we have, all of which are on some level correct, right? Because there is many things. And... Uh, and, and I think there's an important concept that we need to, to understand about language. Um, and I can tell you a little short story. When I was a year six teacher, I once set my kids up to answer a question very badly. Um, by We were talking about the origins of the Bible and where we got the Bible from. And uh, how we got the original and the Hebrew and the Greek and translating it into English. We talked about the old King James Bible. And so I asked my kids, what's the most important book in the world? So you've got to remember these are 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, right? What's the most important book in the world? And, of course, they all said the Bible because uh, they're in a good Christian kids in a good Christian school. And I told them all they were wrong. And they were just like, what? I said to them, the dictionary is the most important book in the world because the dictionary tells you what the words means and if you don't know what the words mean, then what's the point of having the Bible? <laughs> of course, of my class of 31 children, 30 of them agreed with me now that the dictionary is the most important book in the world and I had one kid who was not prepared to sway his opinion... <laughs> And who was very certain that the Bible was still the most important book in the world. And I was very proud of him for that moment. And, uh, of course, we then went on to look at the history of when did we it actually even invent a dictionary, which was like about 15, 1,600 years after we got the Bible. And so we talked about how do we know what words mean if we don't have a dictionary to tell us? And the reality, and, and the important thing is, and then of course they all got really mad at me because I had, you know, told them a lie and then they wanted to know how many other lies have you been telling us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I said no, long division really is a thing. Um, <laughs> and maybe it will be useful at some time in your life, maybe not. I make no claims about long division. Yeah, that was the other thing we were doing at the time. So there's two things. is that language is important in context. You have to understand the language in context, where it sits and what's around about it to understand what things mean. And the second thing is that there is always more than one way to think about a word. It's like the word sick. 
The word sick has a number of different meanings. Sometimes if you use the word sick, then you're actually talking about being ill, right? Sometimes when you use the word sick as a Kiwi, that means you threw up. It has that specific meaning of throwing up, right? I was sick, which doesn't mean I was ill. It means I threw up. Anybody else know that? Yeah, all the Kiwis. Yeah. So, um, and then, of course, at other times, sick means something is, I don't know, really good or something. It's cool. And then, of course, you can say it's fully sick, and that means it's really good. You know, so you have to understand it in context, and you also have to understand that words mean different things in different contexts. And one of the keys that we have to understand what we mean about wisdom is to understand that there is an earthly philosophy and then there is a God philosophy and that those two things are not necessarily the same as each other. Every time we come to a word like love, like freedom, like hope, like faith, like wisdom, there is a world's way of understanding it and then there is God's way of understanding it. And so we need to ask our questions instead of just, well, what does wisdom mean? We have to have two questions. And those two questions are, what's the world's thoughts about wisdom? And then the second question, but what's God's thoughts about wisdom? Because in the world they do directly only connect wisdom to knowledge and knowledge applied. But in the Bible, wisdom is a very different thing. And so I say this to myself regularly. If I think I know what something means by myself, in my own estimation, I probably don't. And I should perhaps look it up. So I, um, when I was a teenager, the thing about the wisdom started when I was 12. When I was 12, I had I first learnt that people make New Year's resolutions. So I decided to make New Year's resolutions at the age of 12. And my New Year's resolution was this. On the basis of um, the story in um, Chronicles about Solomon, my New Year's resolution was that I would become wise and the way that I would do it would be that I would ask God to make me wise. I wasn't quite clued up on what New Year's resolutions should be like, but anyway, that was what I, I asked. And, of course, that went well till about six months later. I was at Langs Beach, which is a beach in the North Island of New Zealand where it's actually warm enough to go to a beach. Um, <laughs> and I was having a rebellious phase. It lasted all of, I think, three days. Um, I was on holidays with my family and I decided I just did, I didn't actually like beaches. I didn't like water and I didn't like getting wet. So it wasn't a great holiday going to the beach. Um, so here I was at the age of about, I think I was by then 13, maybe 14. I know 12, 13 was when I made the resolution. Um, I was having a rebellious phase. My mother sent me off to my room, which was actually everybody's room because we only had one room to sleep in at the batch. And uh, she opened the door... My mother's very feisty and she said, the Bible says rebellion is as witchcraft and then she slammed the door. So I walked up to the door 
and I opened it up and I said, it does not, and then I slammed it harder. (coughs) About half an hour later, my mother walked in with the Bible open to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, which I don't even think I put on my list, I apologise, and it says, rebellion is as witchcraft. And at that moment, I decided, well, in that case, I better not be rebellious. And there ended my rebellious phase. And at the age of 14, what God was trying to teach me was that wisdom only comes in obedience. That the wisdom that comes from God only comes in obedience. And, of course, you can track, track this um, through the scripture. And so I've got five points and I've only got two minutes for five points. So I'm going to give you the scriptures. I'm going to tell you what they are so you know that I'm not, um, you know, making it up. Um, so point number one is that there is no such thing as wisdom without God. If you look in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30, it says... There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against God. In Proverbs chapter 2, 6 and 7, that thought is reiterated. Number two, the next thing that, that, that and this one I remember from, my child, from being a teenager, it feels like childhood, it feels so long ago, like another life, um, and that is the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's actually in Psalm 111 verse 10 and then repeated three times in the Proverbs. Solomon thought it was so important he put it in three times. In 1, 7, 9, 10 and 15, 33. That the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But what does the fear of God do? It's the fear of God that calls us to obedience. Point number three. Wisdom is found in righteousness. You will find if you go through, I read yesterday every scripture, every verse that mentions wisdom in Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the prophets and the epistles. And more often than not, the word wisdom is co-located with the word righteousness. So that means they come together. And if you think about context, that's important. What's next to, what's around, what's co-located? Wisdom is found in righteousness. Probably the main one to um, pull out this point is Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, which I shall read if I can get to there fast enough. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And of course, you have James 3.13, just in case you're thinking I'm only talking about the Old Testament here. In James 3.13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom comes in righteousness. Point number four is that wisdom brings life. If 
you want life, then you need to ask God for wisdom. And you'll notice I didn't say pursue wisdom because from what I can gather in the Bible, wisdom is not something, well, you can, once you, you know, you can develop it, but ultimately every time it comes up, it's something that is a gift of God. Wisdom is a gift. In Ecclesiastes, the the whole concept of life um, is in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Just to show you, I did go all the way around the Bible yesterday to find them all. It says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defence as money is a defence. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. And, of course, that always reminds me whenever I hear a statement like that to John 10.10 where Jesus says, I come to bring you life and life more abundantly. It's out of that relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life that wisdom comes. And then, of course, number five, maybe not of course, but anyway, my number five is that wisdom aligns with truth. So we have righteousness, we have life, we have the fear of God and we have truth, all aligned to the concept of wisdom in the Bible. These are the things that are important if you want to wonder what wisdom is from the word. And the the wisdom aligns with the truth. My main scripture here is um, Psalm 51.6. And it says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. And you'll notice there it was, you will make me to know wisdom. It's not you will find it. It's not that you will create it or develop it, but it's you will make me to know wisdom. Proverbs 23 also similarly um, makes that connection between wisdom and truth. And I think my reflections is that, well, yes, there is in the world this idea about wisdom being about knowledge and applying knowledge. That knowledge is also in the scripture, but it's, it's not the knowledge that you can gain in the world that makes for God's wisdom. It's the knowledge of God himself that brings out wisdom in your life. And it's fruit is obedience. So for me, as a teenager, I worked out that wisdom, if I was going to be wise, then I had to align myself to God's word because wisdom is obedience or obedience is wisdom. And interestingly, if you go to the very first mention of what wisdom in the Bible... It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And I'll just close with this thought. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, the very first mention of wisdom, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. 
She also gave her husband with her and he ate. That here we have in the first mention of wisdom in the Bible, it is that the pursuit of wisdom was grounded in disobedience. And that if the only way that Eve could have been wise at that moment is if she had been obedient to the word of God. That wisdom is connected. Obedience is wisdom. And so in thinking about that, I think there's two key things. I'm very thankful to 12-year-old Colette that she thought to ask God to make a wise. <laughs> and, but I'm more thankful that God listened and took his opportunity while he had it. Because <laughs> if 14-year-old Colette had asked, had, had been, been responsible, I don't know what would have happened. And just as a final scripture, in Matthew 25, verses 3 and 4, we have the, the parable of the wise and the foolish versions. And in that story, what the wise ones did was they took the spirit with them. They stored and they took the spirit with them. And I think what the spirit helps us to do is that it helps us to that we might know and do that which God has called us to. And so I suppose that leaves me with his last question. What's the, what's the last thing? that God told you to do and are you doing it?